All right, hello, hello. Um, today I get to chat with another mental projector, which is always my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so we're chatting with Janelle, who's a three-six mental projector. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm super excited to be on your podcast, and I'm the same. I love talking to mental projectors, projectors in general, but mental projectors have sort of a unique camaraderie, I think, where we understand each other and we we are helping each other like tread through the vagueness of mental projector life because to me it's a little it's it's vaguer than most types more vague I think that's probably the, the right term um and to have someone with you who can tell you their life stories and you can tell them yours and it's like ah oh, this I get this now it really helps so thank you for having me on <laughs> it does really help. I like how you said tread through the vagueness. That's <laughs> I have like this a murky like swamp in my head and that's like walking through it and we can't see very well. Where, where are you going? I'm over here. <laughs> it's not, it's not that scary. It sounds like a horror movie, which it's not what it is, but that's kind of how it feels like to me sometimes. And to have somebody to like grab their hand and be like, we're here. Makes me feel yeah. better. <laughs> yes. I always say, I remember I got this visual real clear one time. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm like a bat. Like I'm a blind bat flying through a cave and I just need to use the sonar to understand where the walls are and what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's when I understood soundboarding on this whole different level. <laughs> it was a weird thing. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I, I agree. It is very weird. <laughs> yeah. Cause okay. So yeah sorry like 12 different questions just popped in my head this happens all the time <laughs> so let's just uncover let like it go <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny it's like I can feel them all coming and then they get kind of like clogged and so it takes me a second to be like okay one at a time guys it'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> like a log jam yes. <laughs> well whenever you want to throw them at me like I can rapid fire questions too I'm okay you know <laughs> Okay, well, I'm just loving the visual description of mental projector life because I feel like, uh, like I remember Teo had this visual one time and it just helped me so much. And I felt so much less alone hearing that description. So thank you for that. So just tell me like how it's been for you unpacking being a mental projector and like, yeah, what it's meant to you to have this information now. Well, I've been in my experiment for about four years now, and when I first found out I was a mental projector after a whole hullabaloo of thinking I was something completely different, um, it was it was it was very hard. It was like someone showing you a picture of your raw naked self that you don't want to look at, with all the flaws and things just shining beacons, and you have to look at it. I mean, you don't have to, but you should. And I did. And it was very hard for me to grasp that this is who I was. But I really think that was because it was very, it was just in your face. Like this is, this is who you've always been. And it, I just had epiphany after epiphany about my childhood. That's a big thing, in, especially in human design is 
at some point you start to think about how you were raised and the conditioning um, around your childhood from your parents, uh, your brothers and sisters, your friends, like your environment, all that stuff matters and all that stuff changes the way you view the world and you view yourself and other people. So I really had to spin my head around and, and look at how I viewed everything and how it was connected to my conditioning as a child. And then I could let a lot of that go. I was really conditioned as, as a lot of people are, grew up in the eighties, um, to achieve, achieve, achieve 110% every day, work harder and better than the next day. You wanna get a great job and have this house and like climb the ladder. And this is what you do. Pack your days with as much as you can. Otherwise it's not worth it. Otherwise you're not making your life worth it and you're worthless. Like that's how I felt about it. Mm. And um, I mean, it's a common conditioning to have for a lot of people, women, especially. Yeah. So that's just how I, what I've been working on for like the past four years um, is really un, unwinding myself from holding on so tightly to something that I think is me or a part of me and it doesn't mean to be me at all I as a mental projector in my particular design I'm really here to be super hands-off and to have a little, very little control over anything as you know mm -hmm. um, we're very open and so we just kind of manage the energies that are flowing in and out of us and use what we've got which for us it's our uh, mental projector capacities to move us forward and to to show other people our gifts and I'm really been working on how that looks and because it's not supposed to look any one way it's such a conundrum for me because anytime I feel myself trying to control something or, or, or having a schedule or saying, okay, this is what the days are going to look like. I'm like, okay, wait, this is not, this is not, you're not supposed to do this. My dogs were really sick this whole last night. And me and my husband were up and up out of bed every couple hours, taking them out, cleaning things up, very stressful. And we were going to get up and hike this morning. Like I was going to get up at 545 to go hiking. And the last time I took one of them out, I, he was awake and he goes, do you still want to hike? And I was like, no, no, this is not happening. So my whole idea of what the day was going to look like gone. And I slept till nine and, <laughs> and I was, I, and it felt like, I was like, ah, you know, this, you know, you could do it. You could do this thing. If, if, and, and, but I was like, why, what's the point? Like, I'm not going to enjoy this hike, which is supposed to be enjoyable. That's why we're going. Okay. If I'm dead ass tired from taking care of these dogs and we can just as easily go the next day. So I think that's been a major thing for me as a mental projector is realizing that my days are not gonna look the same and they're not even gonna look how I thought they were gonna look the day before. It's just gonna be how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can totally relate to that. So in your past life, like pre-human design life, did you try to control the schedule more? And, and like, because I feel like I, that moment where you said, when your husband asked if you still wanted to go hiking and you're like, no, I feel like for me in the past, I would have been like, well, I said I was going to go hiking and this is what we're supposed to do. And I committed to it. So I need to do it. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm tired, I'll just drink more caffeine. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, did you do stuff like that before? Yeah. Well, I could hear in his voice that he didn't want to go. So that helps. And I think I was so tired that I couldn't, because everything you're saying, yes, I would definitely do those things. But I think I was so tired. So it was like four in the morning. 
I was just like, yeah, no. And I just went to bed. But yes, um, to me, growing up, control was responsibility. It was smart. It was a good thing to be in control of as many aspects of your life that you could. And so that's what I would try to do. I've never been a commitment person. Like I don't say this is where I think I'm different from a lot of people, especially women is I am a very no person. Mm-hmm. I don't say yes very often. I don't commit myself very often, but it's not still not great because the reason I do that is I'm afraid to say yes. I'm afraid to commit because then I actually have to do the thing. But if I say no, if I do the uncomfortable no at the beginning, I'm free. I don't have to do the thing. So I just say, no, 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 no. You want to hang out with us? No. Dinner? No, 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 no. That Mm -hmm. was my crutch was the no, because Mm -hmm. commitment was scary. And I was afraid that I couldn't live up to whatever it is they wanted from me. Oh, undefined heart, you know? So I was afraid to be a friend or to be, to really have any sort of relationships with people because I just, thought I would be bad at it. And I didn't want to like let somebody down. I didn't want to burden someone with my energy and my humanness. Yeah. <laughs> so for a long time, my control was no. And then making sure that everybody who was in my life was happy or somewhere close to that by taking away anything from them that could make them upset. Um, when I was growing up, I did that as a child for my parents. And um, I did that for friends as I got older. And I did it for my husband when we first met. Anytime I could tell he was uncomfortable or sad or bummed out about something, I, I was like, what's going on? What can I do? What's happening? What? I would try to take it away. I wouldn't allow him to have the human responses that he's allowed to have and should have. I didn't give him that respect. That's how I felt. I felt like I was disrespecting him by putting him in this bubble. But in my head, it was love. I loved him so much. I just couldn't bear for him to be upset about anything. But really, it made my undefined solar plexus uncomfortable, really uncomfortable. I didn't like that. So we had to stop that. (laughs) So I think for me, the control part is I just have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's really how I feel when I don't have control. Um, and realizing why, why am I holding on so tight to the control of certain things, of certain aspects of my life? What's the point? Is it getting me anywhere? So I would use my logical mental projector brain to say, why are you doing these not very logical things? And when I could point out, oh, this is the reason, and this reason is, doesn't make sense anymore, or isn't a part of your life, or isn't important, it's a lot easier for me to let go when I figure out what's the reason I'm holding on to something. Because having a, a tight schedule and completing your list and holding on to that really tightly and not wanting to let go, that's not because you really, those things are super important. Like, I'm not a rocket scientist. Like it's just laundry and like errands and stuff. So why am I beating myself up? Because I didn't finish all the stuff. There's no, there's no reason. There's no point to it anymore. So now I've realized that a lot of my energy was being used for evil. (laughs) Was being used for just for stuff that wasn't important. And, Mm -hmm. and now I'm, I'm, I'm leaning more into 
really seeing if I can like radically let go of control of things that I don't even think I'm controlling, but then I, then I am. And I'm like, oh, I have to let go of this one too. How am I going to do that? It's kind of like a game of how much control I can just give up to the universe. Yeah. Okay. It's freaking me out just thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Cause I feel like I've had a very similar journey of learning to release and it it is intimidating it's like both intimidating and very freeing um but so how have you started to do that because I think about I know for me there was this time my aunt told me like I was really stressed and she's like you just gotta let it flow and I literally had no idea what she was talking about I had no idea how to do that and so the steps to getting there felt like a lot what have been the steps for you how have you gotten to this place where even mm. though you're terrified, you're like, well, it's just time to release it to the universe. Like it's a really good question. <laughs> I would say um starting off with making sure I take time for myself to like decompress and let all, all the energies go. I meditate every day. I have like a stretching meditation journaling card pulling routine I do every morning. Um and it's kind of a non-negotiable my husband knows like it's for an hour, like at least an hour, like I'm going to be alone and you're not going to talk to me. And he totally gets it. He's very Mm -hmm. supportive. Um, that has really helped me, especially the meditation piece to it. It almost feels like it slows my brain down so that I can see when I'm starting to be controlling. And when I'm like telling Sean how to like load the dishwasher or like telling him how to walk the dog or just silly stuff where I'm like, oh, I just, I would just do that like this. Or I do, I do that like this, like very projector thing to do, give advice when we are not asked or it's not wanted. And he's been pretty good. And when I do that stuff, he'll be like, Hey, I, I got it. Like, I didn't, I don't need your help. And I'm like, Oh, he knows. He knows that I'm, cause I tell him, I'm like, I'm trying to be real hands-off and I, it's very hard for me. Conditioning is a mother man like it comes out of nowhere and you think you got a handle on it and then it's like rears its ugly head when you see him folding laundry and you're like well I do it like this it's like just let him fold the laundry like it's no big deal so I think making sure I have my little practices in place I also have gate five so I I like routines and so that morning routine is like a a big one for me especially for someone who's not supposed to have routines like (laughs) So to have that little thing, I'm like, cool, I have this one thing. And then the rest of the day is whatever it is helps. And then again, I logic myself into things like I I'll, I'll look at the situation that I'm in. If it's a, if I'm having a interaction with somebody and I'll listen to the words that I'm using and I'll think like, am I trying to tell them what to do? Am I trying to share something with them that they don't want to know am I trying to control the situation so that we go where I want to go or we do what I want to do instead of just asking like an adult and saying hey can we do this because I want to do it because that's how I I see some of my controlling now is it's like little covert things where I feel myself like manipulating the situation to go the way I want it to go instead of just asking to do the thing I want to do or saying this is what we're going to go do right (laughs) um and yeah, I feel, I feel like really noticing when I, like, I feel it in my body. I feel when I, when I'm trying to control something or trying to, to manage something that's really not 
for me to do. I feel like a tenseness in my body, like an awareness that goes, okay, look, look at it from all angles. Let's go. How would you do this thing? How would, how would this go for you? Like, what would you do? And then that I want to tell people, oh, well, this is what I would do. I know you don't care, but this is what I would do. Um, and I've gotten pretty good at it. I think for me, when it comes to controlling now, like I said, is I need to look at parts of my life where I don't even think I'm, I think I'm like going with the flow. Everything's great, but I'm, but I'm not like, I'm, I'm like controlling it from the back end and I have to figure out how, how to let go of that. Like my job, I work at a, I'm a server at a restaurant four days a week now because money, um, <laughs> and I hate it and it's terrible for my energy and it zaps me. And I don't like to be around any of those people. Like, I don't like the person I am when I'm there because I take on so much of their energies. I'm like mm-hmm. all over the place. I don't take breaks on purpose. Like, I'm like, no, you got this. I'll be like, what time is it? You're off in three hours. You can do it. Go. Like I do things that I know are not good for me. And I'm trying to figure out how to get out of it by not controlling the situation. So like, how, how do I quit my job that supports me, find something else that can support me without doing anything? Like, that's fun, right? So that's kind of where I'm at is the big pieces in my life where I want to change them. Mm-hmm. How do I go about that without doing anything? <laughs> okay. And by <sighs> anything, um, just, just for my understanding, by doing anything, do you mean kind of that manifester, like going trying on? Trying to make stuff happen. Yeah. Having like a steps, like if I need to get to this and then I'll get to this. Oh, I need to look at this thing, social media marketing for my business, even though I don't know how to do that, nor I don't know if I want to do that. Like all these things, I'm like, you have to check these things off mm-hmm. in order to make things go. Like there's a very big part of my energy that just wants to make things go. I have a lot of restlessness in my chart, a lot of need for change. And I think my fear of change and my fear of not having control is starting to fade away. And that part of me is starting to bubble up like, hey, you like it when things get changed up. And so I'm really looking forward to changes. And now I'm almost like, feel like I'm restless. So I think that's part of it too. The restlessness is like, okay, we'll do something, do something about it, make something happen so that your life changes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that projectors or mental projectors aren't here to do any, like, it's not like we're supposed to just sit around and absolutely do nothing and let things happen to us. Cause that's not how life works. I'm supposed to get radically clear on what I like and the things that I want to do with my time and my days and the things that are interesting to me and really pay attention to that. And the way the generators are here to pay attention to what lights them up. Mm-hmm. We're here to pay attention to what nourishes us, what feeds us, what makes us feel like badass human beings. I think that's how I feel about it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm really trying to like <laughs> figure out what that looks like doing stuff without doing stuff. And it's a practice. And since I'm a third line, it's a huge experiment anyway. So I just keep trying stuff. And when I say trying stuff, I mean, not trying stuff. <laughs> I just keep doing less. And yeah, I have a, I have a day planner and I write stuff that I want to accomplish in the day, but it's very fluid. If stuff doesn't happen, it goes the next day or the next week. Sometimes I'll just write stuff for the week and I'll be like, okay, this, some of the stuff, whenever you get to it, 
Mm-hmm. And I ha- it's about forgiving myself for the fact that I'm an inconsistent energy being and I'm just not going to want to do stuff a lot of the time or, or consistently, you know, I mean, we're not really here to work. And when you say that, it can trigger things in you that are, that make you feel lazy or make you go, well, what am I here for? Like, what am I, what am I worth to these people? If I'm not doing something, doing work, doing something that they can see, like tangent things, which we're not, we're not tangent. We are intangible beings. That's how I feel about our energy. Okay. You just hit something really big because I have a lot of this same conditioning where it's like, oh, I've got to do something to prove my worth at undefined heart. Oh God. It's such a bitch. (laughs) Yes. So loud. So I've got to like do something to show up and prove, but I've also noticed that whenever I initiate something, it does not go well. Like I can look back in the past, even before human design, like relationships I've initiated. No, (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. not anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. Even recently, I kind of initiated talking about this uh, long-term substitute position at a school and then it dissolved. And I thought, you know, (laughs) I don't even want that. I just wanted a steady paycheck, but (laughs) I didn't Uh want to talk about this thing every day. And so of course it dissolved. Um, But like you said, the intangible thing, that's, that's something that I've been working on as well of just showing up like I'm here to share wisdom. That's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. end. And so um yeah, how I lost my question. It's okay. I had something similar happen to me recently where someone emailed me asking me to teach human design, like to put together a course and mm-hmm. to like teach, you know, centers, mechanics, all that stuff. And it just, as soon as I read it, my whole body went, oh, like, no, like, I'm not here for that at this time. I'm not here for that right now. Mm -hmm. That helps me with the undefined G center is to say that things are not for me right now, or things are for me right now, because I know it's going to change. I know I'm fluid about that kind of stuff with an undefined G, but. And all your three lines. God. Yeah. So (laughs) I, I knew that I like, it was, I was like, oh my God, someone's going to like give you something human design to do, like to show people like this is the, and if for the first thing in my head was like, this is the invitation, you have to take this. And that I feel I can really get projectors is not all the invitations you get are for you. You have to still look at them and use your strategy and authority to figure out, well, I guess just your authority because that's your strategy. If the invitation is for you or not, just because the invitation comes to you, it's not like, oh, I got an invitation. I'm a projector. That means I take it. Like that's, that's right. not it. That's not it. It feels like it because we our invitations can be few and far between at times. And so we could get real thirsty for that invitation. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes, we're like, oh, I see it. That's an invitation. I want it. I'm grabbing it because nothing else is coming. And I'm, uh, it's like a scarcity mindset of nothing else is coming. Right. Nothing, no invitations are coming. I haven't had an invitation in a month. So I have this one. I have to take it. If I don't take it, nothing else will come for me. Oh, that's where I get in my brain. And so I had to think on this girl's email. I knew the answer right away was no. Immediately in my body, I knew it was no. Mm. But I was like, you know what? Let's think about this in different places. Let's use your authority. Let's soundboard this out. 
And like, as I was downboarding it with my husband, he's like, you don't want to do this. And I was like, no, (laughs) he's like, I can tell by your voice. I was like, I know I'm just, I'm just trying to do the thing I'm supposed to do. So yeah, you're right. I don't. And so I immediately got on my emails and I was like, you know what? I really appreciate this, but, um, and it had been like two or three days. So it hadn't been that long. And Mm -hmm. I told her, you know what I do, I like, I'm here to read and to have an intuitive intuition for other people and to give them the information about their specific chart. I'm here to share. That's how I'm here to share right now. Mm -hmm. And she wrote back to me, well, that's really good because we already found somebody else. (laughs) 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 And I was like, wow, you didn't give me very much time, did you? (laughs) But it was perfect. It was, I mean, I was like, yes, this is exactly right. And then when she said she found somebody else in my head, I was like, I bet you this person is going to be perfect for this and they're going to do great. And it's going to be awesome for this group. And I got really happy for like this whole, these people mm-hmm. because they, they found the piece that's going to fit for them. And I was not that piece and mm-hmm. I can't force that to happen. And I think for a lot of projectors, that's difficult to realize that you're a unique piece to a puzzle. You don't fit into all the puzzles and you're for some people, you're not for some people, but that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's, mm-hmm. it, sh- it shows how special we are, how unique our energy is and how important we are for the other. I did a reading uh, the other day for a generator and I was like, you're not here to see, you're here to do. I'm here to see for you and you're here to do for me. <laughs> and she just started laughing. She was like, I never really thought of it like that. I go, well, it's very oversimplified, but that's kind of how I feel about it is we have a symbiotic relationship with the other types Mm -hmm. and we do things or we are things for them that they can't consistently be for themselves. So that's kind of how we all work together. And that's how I felt about this group. I'm like, they got their person. I felt really good about it. And I don't know if I would have felt that good if if they didn't find somebody. And I know I would have not felt good if I would have said yes, because I would have had to say no at some point. <laughs> right. Like in the middle of it, when you're like, never mind. <laughs> it would have been, I would have said yes. And then five minutes later, been like, never mind, Because like, I don't want to put together a program and, oh my God, I forgot. Um, this chick, Alex Cantone said this on her Instagram the other day, she was posting like who, like what she does and like how she works. And she said something like, I'm not here to guide for the long term. Like, I'm not here to be with you for the long term. My readings are for like quarterly. So she does them. So if you want another one, you can get one in like a few months, but they're not packaged. It's not a long-term thing. She Mm. just gives you the stuff and then leaves. And she's a six, two. And I was like, this is probably a six line thing. I love this so much because that's how I feel. I don't want to be involved in someone's life for a long period of time. I just want to give them the stuff, mm-hmm. stand to the side, lead from the side and support and encourage and they can bounce stuff off. Yeah, cool. Great. Continue. But I don't want to be in the front. I want to be on the side. Yeah. Yes. I bet that is a six line thing. That seems very role model because it, yeah, you're not here to do things for people. It's like, here's, here's what I know. Mm-hmm. Now you go integrate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to grab, to, to wrap my head around. That's enough. Like, is that, yeah. an, I, I constantly pops in my head. Is this enough? Is this enough? I'll look at my website. Am I charging too much for what I, for what I'm giving? Like I, I did have a package deal where I put my, my two 
um, major sessions together in a package and mm -hmm. I sold it a couple times and both times then people never contacted me for the second one and I felt so guilty and I kept trying to contact them to schedule it and they never contacted me and I was like dude they just paid all this money and and so I, after that happened, I was like, you know what? You don't want to do this package thing, like take them apart. And so they're separate so that I can read to you, let you have that experiment with all of that come to me if you have questions. And then eventually if you're like, okay, I want to do the second reading now, then that's a new experience, mm. a new thing. We can talk about the other, the other um, reading, of course, but they're not connected and I don't have to hang around and go, when are they, okay, are they going to schedule this? Should I email them? Like, what, what do I do? No, it's you come to me, purchase a second session and we roll on. And that has been, at first I was like, this is stupid. People aren't going to do this. They want deals. They want like the stuff, but right. I've had, a, it's, it's worked better this way. So <laughs> with, when we are with projectors, when you have proof, look at it and really trust it and go, wow, this actually worked the way it's supposed to work. I, maybe I should try this again this with the same strategy and authority thing and see if it happens again. Yeah. Like when you get the proof, that's the most powerful thing for me, especially as projectors, because some of the stuff we're here to experiment with is just against, against the grain, against society. Yeah. And when you experiment with it and it works, it's like, like you just unlocked some secret door <laughs> oh, I like that Thanks. I do too <laughs> yes the proof is true I, I found that for me sometimes I I overlook the proof and it's like my fear-based not self still yells does that happen to you it's like okay oh, yeah. fine. but you know that happened once but it's not going to happen ever again obviously mm -hmm. so you need to do Luke. more work mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Luke, that's never going to happen again or that's not enough proof that's not strong enough proof you're looking too hard into it you're making too much out of it that's what i would tell myself when it comes to trusting my intuition and my inner knowing because that to me was a was a trip i was a lot like i said i was logic person smart yes. woo, woo stuff did not could make, make sense to me. I was not into it. Uh, astrology, numerology, all that stuff, never a thing. I was not smart, not logical, not science. I don't, that's not good. Right. But now I've switched it, but my mind sometimes doesn't trust that what I feel in my body is enough of a sign or is it, is, do you really feel that? Or you're telling yourself that? Like, are you making this up in your head? A lot of times I'll think that, like, are you making this up so that the situation goes this way? And I've had to get out of my head a lot and be like, hey, shh, like <laughs> when your body does something or tells you something, just take it at face value at first and mm -hmm. see how that goes. It helps, it helps me to not have like an all or nothing mentality about my experimental nature, my third line nature. It really helps me to look at it as, all right, take this one little step and see what happens. Lean that way and see how it goes. Like, I don't have to, 
um, immediately take like a third line experiment and go, oh, it worked. Okay, I have to go this way and do it this exact way now. And I can never fall, go for, from this. This has to always be the experiment and the way that it goes because it worked this time. I have to just lean into things and start like, and that's, that's a big thing I like to tell um, anyone who has a third line really is start, <laughs> like just start the thing. And yeah. And you don't have to know what it looks like. That was a big thing for me is I wanted to know what things look like from beginning to end. I wanted to know what the end result was going to be. Outcomes were a huge deal for me of like, how can I predict this outcome? How can I start this thing so that this outcome happens? Like there has to be a way that I can control it enough to where I can predict the future, right? <laughs> I have to be able to do that somehow. Um, so that was a huge thing for me was letting go of outcomes is doing things for the sake of doing them rather than having an outcome at the end, something at the end that has to happen in order for it to be worth it to me. So that's a big one. Let go of, if you're a third line, I mean, probably this probably would help a lot of people, but especially third lines, let go of what it needs to look like at the end. Like there's nothing there. There should be nothing there. It should just be the next step. And then the next step and then the next step and the end is a lot of possibilities. Maybe there shouldn't be nothing there. Maybe there should be a ton of things there because there's so many possibilities. You can't predict the one that you're going to get. And the one that you do predict is probably not going to be as good as the thing that you actually get. <gasps> Sorry, that, I don't know where that came from. So that must have been like the 4323 trend, just like. <laughs> just boom, yes. <laughs> <sighs> that was fun. <laughs> that was beautiful too, because I feel like um, okay. I totally relate to that as a three line. I've learned that as well, where for me, I've started embodying the feeling, you know, like, well, I want success. Right. So yeah. let's figure out what that feels like for me. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, that kind of guides my next right step. I still don't totally know what it means or what yeah. it looks like, but I'm just going that one step at a time, like you said, but I feel like in our society, that seems so dangerous to people. And that seems so irresponsible. It's like, no, you've got to have this outcome. You know, what is your life going to be like in five years? What's your five-year plan? What's your 10-year plan? What's your retirement plan? What is your career plan? And that's yes. the sign of responsibility. And I, as a one, three mental projector with all this openness, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I cannot tell you. Yeah, I'm the same. And, and at, at first I used to be I think the right word would be ashamed of it or maybe embarrassed. And now I'm almost like, yeah, I don't know. Bring me more questions. I'm not sure. What are you doing in five years? What, what's your plan? Let's hear it. <laughs> and I get almost confrontational because I want to hear what people think their plan is. I want to really, because in my head I'm hearing, I'll hear it and I'll be like, mm, that sounds, that sounds great. Like, but you know that that's not how life goes. Like that's not how it's gonna go. <laughs> like, like maybe it will. Maybe someone will have a straight trajectory and everything will happen perfectly for them exactly the way that they want. But most likely, that's not how it's gonna happen. And for me to get attached to something, because I used to try to do that, like in five years, right, where you want to be and what you want to do, and it sounds really positive and like a good little work, like exercise or whatever but it can be really detrimental for the people that are not here to be consistent, not here to mm -hmm. know what's going to happen to them or to care. They're not, we're not here to care about it. I guess that would should be the word is not to not know about it. We're just not here to care. It's not important for our design. It's not important for what we're here to do. So it's something that we can let go of. It's just mm -hmm. super, 
duper hard because like you said, the society and, and everyone around you is asking what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing next? What's coming up for you? What, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing this summer? Like, what do you got going on? Everybody wants to future cast and think about what's happening in the future. I'm, I'm going to come up with a question I can ask people that's like, how do you feel right now in this moment? <laughs> what's happening for you in this second? I'll have to come up with something maybe more specific for people to get them to like force them to think about like exactly where they are in the moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just step on their foot and I'll be like, hey, does your foot hurt right now? <laughs> yes, you're in the moment. <laughs> no, that would be terrible. But yeah, I think a lot of people, like you said, are obsessed with what, with, per, with being prepared for the future and you being a first line, that's gotta be a, a big part of it too, is you want to be ready, like for the next thing you want to have a solid foundation when you move on, but you're not really a solid foundation person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. It, it is an interesting mix for me because I have the fear motivation as well, which is all oh, about foundation. So you know, get that. And then my conscious son gate 47 is in my defined Ajna. So there's a lot, I feel like a lot of my energy is all like mental building that foundation, getting to know all the things, Mm -hmm. but then I have the three line and I have the open body. And so it's, it's really like two separate worlds Mm -hmm. and finding the balance in it. It's, it's been very interesting and human design has given me the best visual I've had mm-hmm. to navigate that. Like, yeah, despite all the therapy I've done. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, this has helped me more than anything I've ever done. And when I had my reading with Teo, um, he made sure I was aware that most of the human design information isn't for you or I it's, we are 3% of the population. So mm-hmm. most of the stuff, even about projectors, doesn't really pertain to us. And that really helped me to know that I can kind of push the boundaries a little bit when it comes to being a projector. Um, Yes, I wait for the invitation as much as possible, but when it comes to strategy, sometimes I start first or or authority. Sometimes I start, I don't soundboard or I don't think about it in different places. I start because I'm a third line and I know that that might actually bring clarity to my soundboarding bring confidence to me thinking about this thing in multiple places. Like sometimes we, we have to start, skip a step and then go back almost like an MG type of situation where we have to see, we have to see where, what, what we've got here before we can soundboard it or think about it in different environments, you know, and that really helped me because when I first got into human design, I was really trying to do it right. Fucking third line (laughs) perfectionism. Um, and I was like, okay, these are the steps. Like you learn about your strategy, authority, profile type, and then you move to these things and you practice a list. And like, I was very, I was trying to like be very regimented about it. Mm-hmm. And after I had my reading, I was like, oh my God, like that is not it at all. Like, yeah, practice experiment with your stuff. But like, if you want to learn about these gates, like learn about these gates. If you want to randomly learn about this channel or this center, and you want to talk about it with authority, then do it because you know what you're talking about. And so it really gave me a lot of confidence to know that I can kind of color outside of the lines with my own personal experiment. I think a lot of people can when in different areas of their experiment. And I think that helps because it doesn't, it shows that human design is not like a box where, okay, you're a 
three, six mental projector. This is where you go. This is how this is going to look because we know it is not going to look any one way. And I would imagine that's the same for all the other types A three, five generator doesn't fit in the same box with all the other three, five generators. Like we're all different. And mm-hmm. I do love, there's some human design people who have lately talked about how they don't really work with type very much. They don't talk about type very much. They go more because your centers and the mechanics within are more unique to you and might contradict certain parts of just your type. And it's more important to me to look at the individual part than to say, oh, you know, you're a projector. So make sure you do these things. I kind of want to look at the rest of it. So I think it's really neat to get different perspectives on human design and how we look at it, how we use it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I love too, because like you said, I mean, we're both mental projectors. So on the outside, it could be like, oh, we're the same, but no, we are so different. (laughs) And there's all the nuances, you know, the different gates and the different placements of the gate. Mm -hmm. Just like you said that your motivation is fear. I'm motivation innocence. Oh yeah. Completely different. Basically I'm a child. (laughs) (laughs) So it goes right along with all the other parts of my design that are very hands-off and very Mm. let other like, like, don't worry so much about control. Think about what makes you happy and what makes you laugh. And that's what I look at when innocence, I see like a little child skipping through a field, like picking flowers. Cause we're just very like here to observe yes. and to not really be connected personally to a lot of the stuff that's going on um, in the world. And it's a, it's a weird, I have a lot of stuff where I'm like, really? I have this too? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> about this one now I like like when people talk about variables and all that kind of stuff I'm like oh man I can't even I don't even know how this is gonna look what are your what are your variables do you have mostly left or mostly right I'm half and half so you are yeah I'm left on my on my unconscious side and right on my conscious side oh wow that's interesting so I'm almost all right really well yeah I mean okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah. and all the you know, with everything yeah yeah the, the funny one is the the one that my left is the bottom left arrow which is environment and and like when I read about it specifically it mentioned how if I like traveling might not be my favorite thing if I do enjoy traveling it would be with the caveat that when I get to that place I am able to settle and ground and like get comfortable and familiar with my surroundings because people with the left-facing environment tend to like specific environments for specific things, and they don't necessarily like to change up their environment a lot. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing, because I don't really like to travel. And I feel bad saying it, because everybody's like, what? It's like saying you don't like dogs or something. People are like, are you, what's wrong with you? Travel, that's the most amazing thing. You must be an idiot. And so, but for me, it gives me a lot of anxiety. I don't like to fly. Mm-hmm. I get car sick. So I'm not a great driving person, passenger in a car. Um, I like my spots. Like I like my space. I'm very like territorial about my apartment and like about my, I don't like people to come over. Like, I just like my spot. And when I saw this, I was like, oh my God, yet another thing in human design that lets me off the hook for this weird thing that I do, like where 
I don't want people to come over to our apartment or if they do, I have to be like very controlled of where they go and what they see. <laughs> and I don't like to, I like my routines of the places that I go. Like, I don't like to go to new places, which sounds terrible, but if I do, it's usually hiking or nature related. And then I feel much better about it. We'll say that. <laughs> what is your environment? Um, I'm a uh, selective caves. Okay. So yep. yeah. That makes <laughs> Nobody come in here. You just Thanks. want your cozy little spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my, you can see behind me, like my little yoga and meditation spot is in the corner of our office and it faces the door. But this is the thing that I think adds a little unique spice to me individually is like when I think of cave, it does sound cozy, but it also sounds dark and dank and like claustrophobic. And I don't really like that. So a lot of times when I have my caves environment going on, I'll notice that I'm by a window or like I'm by something that's I can see outside or light can come in like right by this, my spot. There's a window right here, but mm -hmm. I can see the door right here. So it's like. I, 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 I kind of have both because I do like light. I love light. I love air. Like, I don't like to, I don't like when the windows are closed. I feel ugh, it grosses me out almost like I can't breathe. And so when I heard about caves, I was like, no, that's can't be right because I like air and I like sun. No, this isn't right. But it's so right because the little things I do, the place I put myself on the couch, the like stuff, the position I have in our bed, in our bedroom facing the door, facing the door. I like, like it's very caves and it's, I am very, like I said, territorial about this space. Yeah. And so it's so crazy how sometimes you'll see a part of your design. You're like, mm, that's not correct. And then it'll throw itself at you and you're like, dang, oh, you're so right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like to, whenever I sub in a class, sometimes little things will pop out at me with the way the teacher organized the classroom or where their desk is or something. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, like one classroom, it's actually this tiny classroom and it's just computer. They do media stuff and he keeps the lights off and he just has these little lamps placed in the, just the right way. And his desk is in the corner faces and everything. And I'm sitting <laughs> there one day, I was like, this guy is totally caves. <laughs> Like definitely caves. Yeah, because the environment piece kind of shows up with the way that you, like you said, organize your stuff and, mm -hmm. and organize like your situation. Um, even if you don't think that it will, you're like, ah, oh, dang. Yeah, I can still like light, but I don't, I like my spot and I don't like people coming in if, I, if I'm not prepared for that, which is what selective caves means is I pick the people that I feel safe with. Mm -hmm. um, and blended caves, which is the other one, is more of a, and I don't care as much about people that come in as long as I can, I've got them. But selective caves is, oh no, you have to ha know the secret password to get in here or else you're not getting into this He-Man Women Haters Club. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love men. Um, <laughs> so yeah. What's your environment? Valley is narrow. Oh gosh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny and people are probably listening that don't know what these things are like what dude if you figured this thing out about yourself you'd be like oh my god I'm such a valley's narrow well, <laughs> so I did an interview with someone and they're also valley's narrow and we turn on the zoom and we're both sitting on the floor in our living room and I'm like okay this is what it looks like <laughs> that makes sense yeah I know I'm in my spot door no one in 
Don't yeah. come bother me. <laughs> and even when I go outside, like if I go on a walk by myself and there's this particular park that I go to, there's this place that I sit in the grass that's very like trees behind, like all to here. And I'm here and I can see out and you, and you can't, like, you have to walk in front of me to, to like get to that spot. So I'm like, no one could come in. Like, I don't know if it's a safety thing. Cause I'm also survival. So okay. um, yeah. Um, and I know that that's a big thing for me too, is survival is a lot of times my control is like, what do I need to do to survive? What, what has to happen so that I don't die? <laughs> okay. So this brings up one of the things that I find the most fascinating about every human design chart is the opposites that are in there because you have this survival in this caves, right? And this mental projectorness that knows stuff, but then you have this innocence motivation. <sighs> And you have this three line that needs to fuck up and mess everything up. <laughs> it's so- like, it's such a dichotomy. I, I hope that most people have this in their charts. I think that they do. I would think that most people have at least one thing that's like, oh yeah. Okay, no, every yeah. single chart I've looked at every single one. Yeah. All the ones I've read. Yeah. 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 The one three is like one of the most common, like right off the bat dichotomies that you can get. And I love the one three. It's beautiful. Um, but the other, yeah, the other parts of it, it's, it's funny because it's almost like it, it almost helps describe me even better because when I think about motivation in a sense, the happiest I am almost all the time is in nature with the people that I love and being like on a walk. And like, that's why I was really excited about this hike this morning. I mean, we're going tomorrow, so I'm fine, but, um, <laughs> and I can like see myself in my head, like walking in nature and like, Oh, this tree and I'll touch the tree and looking at the light and just like, no one, he's not talking. We're not talking. And we've got the dogs and we're just smiles. And like that to me, or my think is what I think of what I think of innocence, because we're doing something that makes us so happy that the rest of the world can just go on and we don't, we're observing it and it doesn't matter. None of that matters. And that's kind of what, to me, the motivation of innocence is, is we're here to observe and to really follow the things that, like I said, are very childlike that make us feel like kids and make us happy in that way. Mm -hmm. And I really do see that myself because I get really silly. Like I'm a really silly person. Um, And I see that part. I see the innocence part, but then I see the other parts. I see the caves and I see the survival because a lot of times I really try to get logical about the next step. And usually the next step has to do with survival. Like what do I need to do next so that I can live? And the innocence goes, no, no, just live the life that you have. Like you're fine. It's okay. (laughs) So I feel like it's almost, it's very helpful. It's almost like this fire extinguisher that comes along and says, you're thinking too much. You're trying to control, like you're really, you're, you're diving down this hole of how can I make this go? What can I do to make this happen? And I'm motivation innocence and I'm going to put out that fire and say, it's okay. Do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to read your book? Do you want to make food? Are you hungry? Like it, asks me all the little questions you would ask a child who was crying or upset or, or, or you didn't know and you wanted to help the child. That's what I do. I go, what do you want? What do you need? Mm-hmm. And it feels really good. And I wouldn't be able to do that without the other parts. Like it, it, you need, it's almost like if you don't, if we don't have all these dichotomies in our chart, we wouldn't be so powerful in our energies. We wouldn't be so clear and so 
genuine, so real in who we are if we didn't have to silence the crying child, you know? So look at what you do to me, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I get so into this human design stuff, comes out my eyes. (laughs) Well, this is honestly, this is what I find the most beautiful. And, and this kind of depth of conversation is what I really want to bring out into the world because there's a lot of stuff that we don't talk about. And, and I love how you brought out the inner child because the inner child work is so, so beautiful and so amazing and so healing. And it's been something that's been huge for me as well. And I know, um, I had told you before, but one of the reasons that I was really drawn to you is a story you told like as a kid, you felt like you had to be so responsible mm-hmm. and you were like showing up and doing all these things. And I really resonated with that. And so I feel like now at 40, I'm allowing myself to be a kid in some ways. <laughs> You're responsible. And that to me is yeah. the hardest word to use because like you said, responsibility to me was the golden standard growing up. What can I do to be yeah. the most responsible human? and irresponsible like anytime I could see someone being irresponsible I was like oh god I don't do that I'm glad I'm not like that well look at that person they're living above their means or um you know they're taking a year off after high school to go do fun stuff like that's so irresponsible um they got their shift covered and they're gonna go have a fun night how irresponsible like all these things all this judgment towards other people um, I do have the uh, gate of responsibility. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it does, I think it's called the gate of values, but when you read about it, what it is, is about being responsible and, 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 and wanting other people to take personal responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And it's a splenic gate. So it has fear tied to it. And the fear is responsibility. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, yes. Like I have such a fear of being responsible because I know what that word does to me. And I know how serious I am when it comes to being responsible. And I know it can really mess me up and push me off track because it wants me to be rigid and it wants me to follow what I think is right rather than what I feel is right. I'm using my head, which we know in human design, that's not how you make decisions, not with this head up here. No, and then thank you because then that's the only thing that we have access to. I know, right? <laughs> I get so bitter. And that's how I found you because I was bitter one day and I'm like, mental projector, help. Ugh, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's funny because there's a lot of mental projectors I've talked to have a similar, not a similar upbringing, but a similar flavor to their life where they 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 want they had control or they took control of certain parts of it because they wanted it, they they were like, it needs to look a certain way it has to look a certain way. And I don't know if it's a mental projector thing or what it is, but I think sometimes we really get in our heads and really try to logic things and go, this is the next logical thing that will happen. This is the next logical thing that I should do. Right. Mm -hmm. Right brain. Okay, good. This is what I'm going to do. And we really just shut off hearing our bodies. I thought that was so silly. Yeah. Well, and I think, cause we are taking in so much, it can be so overwhelming. And then I come to find out both of my parents are emotional authority and my mom's a manifester. And so there's a lot happening there. And um, I can't remember if they have spleens to find out or not, but you know, my brother and my dad are generators. My mom's a manifester. I'm the only little mental projector with all of this wisdom. And my mom even told me once, she's like, you were just such a smart kid. It's like, you 
could read me at a young age and it mm-hmm. freaked me and so I could tell that I freaked her out and so I <laughs> so you turned it off yeah yeah you're, you're the responsible child and you're like oh I'm gonna turn this off mm-hmm. so I don't make waves yeah yeah I did the same thing I was yeah I was really I like to read a lot as a child I was very quiet I almost got held back in first grade because I didn't speak like I didn't have any friends I didn't talk to anyone no one and it's very weird because now when you look at my design I'm Ajna and throat I'm here to speak my mind I'm here to say what I think and that that to think that when I was a child to be like you're here to say what you think I would have laughed in your face I would have been like no no one cares what I have to say no one cares what I think like, what are you, what are you even talking about? It's easier if I'm quiet though. I don't like the, there's no waves. If you're quiet, you don't bother anyone. You don't burden anybody if you're quiet. Oh my gosh. I feel that so deeply. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you have any memories of like, when you did share some sort of wisdom or something from your mind is upset people or they got annoyed at you or <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anytime that's when people talk about, um, sharing like as a projector like sharing when you're not supposed to share or when it's not gonna when they're not ready and thinking of it as growing up and as a child child I can remember multiple times when I would say something it might have been a joke or it might have been an observation or whatever like I inserted myself in the conversation and people just looked at me and didn't say anything yes and then continued on with whatever they were saying like like I just farted and walked away or something I was like and it, it hurt. You're like, okay. And then you don't ever want to talk. It's like, you don't want to say anything again because it's like, well, no one wants to hear what I have to say. And when you're a child and you don't know about human design, like, I don't know to wait for the invitation. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm a kid. And for me, I learned very early on that it was better if I was just quiet. Mm-hmm. And I never really did anything. Like I didn't say anything controversial. i never like had a mouth on me. Like I was very polite. I was very concerned with how people saw me. So I was very like polite, upstanding girl, but I just kept a lot to myself because I just assumed that nobody wanted to hear it or cared about it or that it would matter in the grand scheme of things. That's a lot how I thought as a child was, is it going to matter? Will it matter if I say this thing? Will anything? No. Okay. Then be quiet. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm here to talk and you can't shut me up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I really resonated too, when you were talking about like a group of friends or a group of people talking and you jump in the conversation, like I've made that so awkward so many times and I watch other people, I'll observe it. They just jump in a conversation and they have this great conversation. Like, how do they do that? Oh my gosh. (laughs) They're generators and they felt several spots to be in and now they're in. Great. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's like you said, even if what we say isn't profound or even if the words we use aren't like life shattering, I think it's our energy and our tone when we speak mm-hmm. that people are like, it just throws them. It throws them off kilter. And some people are into it. And some people are like, ah, who's this cool, weird person. Now I get that a lot more. It's like, who's this crazy person? Let's hear what she has to say. Great. And that's more fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just like, it, there's no way to wait for the invitation as like, when you don't know, like when you don't know about it, you're not going to do it. So you're always going to talk. And then when it gets shut down, 
I mean, it's, it's, it's logical, obviously logical way that people work is if you put something out there over and over and it keeps getting shut down, you're going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that, no, you just have to look at the way you're putting it out and how you're putting it out and what's the energy behind it. Mm-hmm. And do they, do they want to hear this? Are they ready to hear this? Is this something where you don't care if they're ready to hear this? That's something that I have to do a lot too, is because social media for me is like a, when I talk about it with other human design people, they're like, no, you put whatever out you want on your social media. You don't wait for invitations, obviously to put stuff out. Like that's how we get seen as projectors. Right. We have to put ourselves out there so that we are seen so that we can be recognized and invited in. Like that's how it goes. So you have to start off the scene being seen part somehow. And that for me, Instagram has been the easiest thing because in my head, I'm like, you have 1500 followers. You could literally put out anything you want and it Mm. would not matter. It wouldn't, you most likely wouldn't go viral. Like it wouldn't be embarrassing. Like there wouldn't be like, I could take a picture of my butt and put it up there. And I just probably get some nice butt DMs. Like I'm not going (laughs) to explode Instagram. I'm not Britney Spears. So whatever I want to put out, no matter how controversial I think it is, or if it's not ready, or if it looks unprofessional, who cares? Like, who cares? I feel like that's how you probably feel about TikTok as well, is mm-hmm. like, you can really put anything out there. And almost always, you're going to get someone with like an interested slant, like, what, what is this? Or that's mm-hmm. so nice. Like, I've never gotten a mean DM or a negative DM from anyone ever ever in my Instagram life. Me either, either, which is great because I'm always scared someone's going to be mad at me, but (laughs) right. Um, but I feel like, so I feel like this is where that key of recognition comes in for projectors because we talk about the wait for recognition and invitation. And what I've started to really understand is that the recognition comes within first, that's where it is. Mm -hmm. And so in the instance of joining in a conversation, we're essentially, I mean, I'm speaking for myself. It's like, that's when I was seeking recognition from the outside. I yep. wanted them to recognize me too. Yep. Whereas like you were saying, if you just say it and you don't really care about the response or if they're ready or not, it's like, well, I'm just recognized. Like, this is what mm. I say in this moment. And if somebody needs it, then they'll invite me to talk more. And if they don't, and I don't get that invitation, then they're just not ready for it. No big deal. And then, yeah, it releases so much pressure off of me. Like, yeah, oh, we're just- preparing ourselves for this, <laughs> <laughs> which is perfect for you as a one line to be prepared to be rejected, essentially. And then when people <laughs> don't reject you, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> then it's a little bit like, oh wait, now what do I? Do? <laughs> oh, now I have to talk about this stuff. Oh crap, where do I start? <laughs> Without scaring this person away. <laughs> no, I know, I know the feeling. Um, yeah, we're, we're just super unique. And I know I've been tuning our horns a lot as mental projectors, but one of the most important things for me about human design is, is I've learned to really see the true uniqueness in each individual person and to celebrate that for them. Anytime I look at somebody's chart and I'm going to read for them, it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't, you could be generator, projector. I'm always just like, oh, look at this. Oh, look at this combination of this. Oh, and then look at this here. And um, it's, all special and it's all magical and you fit in in such a great way and like like the reading I had the other day was with a manifesting generator and I just wanted to keep reading her like how powerful she was and how um special she was because generators are the majority of the population so you can feel 
like you're not special if you get a generator chart. I've had that happen to a few people. And I really just want everyone to know that, yes, there's parts of your chart where I'll go, oh my God, this this tied into the fact that you're a generator is like, you don't even know what this is, but we're going to talk about it. And that's how I feel. And I can look at people's charts and get that instantly. I'm like, oh, this, I can't wait to tell them about this or tell them about this. Or God forbid somebody at work gives me their chart because oh, I will have it up when they're talking to me. Like if they're talking to me about work or anything and I'll be like, oh, yep, this is why they talk like this. And this is why they are like this. And yeah. I want to tell them, I want to be like, so, <laughs> but I don't, I keep it to myself. And then there'll be times at work where people will ask me like about it what's that weird thing that you do? Or are you, what's that thing that you took my birthday information for? Show, can you show it to me again? And then I'll show it to them and then I'll sneak in some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it, 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 it's fun and it works out that way. And like you said, some, the invita- invitation really comes from within. Like I've already said, you know what? I'm so wholeheartedly into this thing. No matter if people want to hear about it or not, I don't really care. Like I'm going to talk about it and mm-hmm. If you show mild interest, watch out because I'm gonna I'm, just, I'm gonna keep talking, <laughs> and and it really has given me a sense of confidence that I don't think I've ever had in my life because I've always been very shy and very self conscious and very like there's nothing special about me, nobody cares about me, like blend into the wall as much as possible, yeah. and now I'm like you know what, I can trust that there is unique parts of me and there's special parts of me that people want and people are looking for and and I got recognition from my last reading that's what she said at the end was like she's like I I I found you I've been wanting a reading from you for months I seeked you out I was like what like yeah I started reading it was like crying I was like oh my god you like you've been thinking about me like I can't even believe this it was it was like when projectors get recognition it's I don't even know how to explain it. I feel like it's just like a party in your head. And this was very serious, like specific recognition for what I do. And I was just like, holy shit. And it really helps with the confidence piece and really helps me know that I'm on the right path right now. I'm doing the right thing right now. I'm doing the thing that really does it. I love it so much and it's okay. I can trust that other people recognize that I have a gift and Mm -hmm. To even say that out loud feels like, who do I think I am, you know? But (laughs) at the same, at the same time to have other people say it to me, that's where I get a lot of my proof. That's where my logic mind is like, oh, other people see it and are saying it to you. Like, this isn't you making these things up. People are saying it to you. (laughs) You didn't trick them or pay them. They're saying these things. And that's, I think, the most potent proof for a projector is to have somebody else recognize you for who you are right now mm-hmm. and to say it to you. And it's really, I like this for projector on projector relationships too. It's really important to recognize your projector friends, family, loved ones, because when you see something in them, that's so obvious that you're like, oh, they have to know this about themselves. They already have, they must know that this is an amazing piece of them they, if they do, they make it small. If they do, they make it so that it's not important. So tell them that, you know, this thing that they do is really important or this thing that you see them do is really special and they have a special energy about it. And that projector will probably dissolve in a puddle of love and happiness. So you'll have done your one good deed for the day. Yes. 
Yes, that is, that really is a huge aspect. I try to do that for my oldest son, who's an emotional projector. Um, Cause yeah, he's, he's so cool. Um, but that reminds me of, of just what I was going to ask you for anybody who maybe has a mental projector kid or is like reparenting themselves as a mental projector. Uh, the recognition piece I think is huge, but what would you say to somebody with this little mental projector kiddo and they have this chance to support them in their design? Like, what do you, what would you say, or what do you wish would have happened for you? Uh, I would, this is a hard one for me because I think a lot of the things that happened to me in childhood, I did to myself. I put a lot of pressure on myself. My parents were alcoholics but they were very involved in our lives as children. They took us to soccer and PTA. They were, did our, helped us with our homework. Like they were involved. If I had needed advice, my mom would give me advice. Like they were good alcoholic parents. I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, they obviously had the bad side of that too, but um, they were really involved in our lives and they were really open with whatever we wanted to do or be. Like they didn't really... They just wanted us to pick something. They didn't really care what it was. They wanted us to pick an interest. And for me, a lot of times my mom was worried that I was easily influenced by other people. And then I just did went along with what other people did. My undefined G-Center, hello. Um, right. And I just, I couldn't think for myself. So I would say, let your manifestor generator, man, let your mental projector child uh, I don't know where that came from, speak and let them speak how they feel. And if it, let them like, don't try not to judge them on the words that they use and the way that they talk, because I think that was a part of it when I was younger. Um, I was always very well-spoken. Like I read a lot of books and I really liked to, to make sure my words were right and my senses were correct. And I would like review before I talked. I had like a lot of anxiety around that. Um, so let them talk and encourage them to speak their mind and say whatever they want to say and not be afraid of what you have to say because they're soundboarding probably at this point. And you shouldn't say anything. You should just listen. Um, and I would say that allowing them to know that they don't need to be anything for a, on a permanent basis, that, that things are temporary. Like your interests can be temporary who you view yourself as can be temporary. Your friends can be temporary. Your home can be temporary. Everything can be temporary. You don't need to, there's not a permanence. With mental projectors, there's an impermanence about us where everything is temporary. Like we're, we're not really supposed to hang on to things. We're not supposed to stay in the same space, place our entire lives. We're not supposed to have the same job our entire lives. Like relationships, all of it. So I think for me as a child, I really got boxed in that I, this, my life had to look a certain way for the foreseeable future forever and ever. Mm. And to, to know that things can be temporary, that you could have a job and not like it and switch to another job. You can live somewhere and not like to live there and move and it's okay. You're not abandoning your family. I know this is a lot for a little child, but mm. however you could do this for a little kid to let them know that things in life are temporary. And it's not permanent. And I think that will help with their feelings and their energy as well, because as a child, I hated to be embarrassed. I really hated it. I didn't like anyone to see, to just look at me and do anything wrong. It really bothered me. But if I knew, or if I really practiced with the fact that it was temporary, if it was really put in my head that this is temporary, I think I would have dealt a lot 
better with it because I would really downward spiral like this is forever. No, they're never going to talk to me again because I said this stupid thing or whatever. Like I really would get on myself and be really mean to myself, say mean things to myself. Um, so I think that factor and letting them know how special they are. They're really special and we don't feel special. We feel regular <laughs> and we feel bad for thinking that we're special or guilty or like, like I said, who am I to think that I'm a special person? So I think letting them know that they're special in whatever way that they want to be special that day or that hour or that time. And it doesn't have to look any one way. Things don't have to look any one way. Like if there's so much like, huh, yeah, <laughs> way too much for a child. But yeah, as a parent, I would just say, embrace the inconsistency, mm. um, give them a space alone, let them be alone. If they need to be alone. Mm-hmm. That was a hard one for my parents was when I would want to be alone. I'll like go in my room. I would take myself, I would take myself for naps. I'd be like, Oh, it's nap time. And I'd go and lay down in my bedroom for like an hour. Um, and they just thought I was a really good kid. <laughs> and it was just like, but there were times when I, that people would be too much. Kids would be too much like school and stuff would be a lot and so when I would come home I would really want to be alone and that was weird for them I think because my sister was very let's go play outside and let's do all this stuff and I was like "Ah." and I couldn't explain it like how do you explain that as a child like I need to release everyone's energies out of my body like how do you my chakras are full (laughs) yeah I need to empty out please leave me alone um yeah you can't really do that so then you're just weird I was, I thought I was just, I was a weird kid because like I said, my sister was very social. She's a two, four. Um, she's a very social. She's also a projector, but she's an emotional projector. And she's, I think the two, four in her is big. She's very social, very much wanted to be around people. And I never wanted that. I always wanted to be, I almost always wanted to be by myself. And that made me feel really weird. And I think letting kids off the hook for their weirdness or the stuff that they do that's different like mm-hmm. like letting that kid be radically different I think would be really cool and I think this is such a good time for that because a lot of parents are looking at their children as individuals rather than just miniature versions of themselves and letting them kind of be who they want whatever they want girl boy clothes like makeup hair like do whatever and I'm seeing that a lot from people and I think that that's really going to be conducive to this to this system of uniqueness you know yes absolutely well that was beautiful and well said thank you I read for a mental projector for a mom she was not a mental projector but her child was and she booked the reading for him he's like six so she could learn about him and I was like yeah, the, um, when I met her the first, uh, when I was like, hi, how are you? I just started crying because in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this is such a nice thing that she's doing for this kid. Mm-hmm. Like the kid wasn't even there because he was, I mean, he was too little. He's not going to understand anything, but she wanted to understand. She wanted to see it. And she goes, I know you're a mental projector too. So I really want to hear it from you. And I was like, wow. okay. I felt a lot of pressure at first when she first booked it. I was like, oh my God, like, this is a lot of pressure. I don't want to break her kid. Like, oh, I freaked out, but but then I just calmed myself down and I said, you know what? She's just asking for your experiences. She's just asking for you to share. Yeah. That's how I get, because sometimes we can, we can get a lot of pressure with this because some pe- people can ask us for things or maybe like you book a reading with someone who already knows a lot about human design or other things where you're like, oh, 
like, is this going to be good enough for them? Am I going to give them what they need? Is this worth it? Mm-hmm. And I just have to calm myself down and say, you know what? All they want is for you to share your experiences. You're here to share your experience. That's really easy. You don't need notes for that, Janelle. You just share. Right. And it really takes a lot of the pressure off for me anyway. For yeah, no, same. Especially with my, you know, I mean, like we talked about the one line that wanting to know the right thing to say. And then I realized, oh, well, I'm just here to say it from my correct perspective like you said like I have these mechanics for a reason and so this is what I'm here to filter the world through and that's it and yeah it relieved so much pressure for me as well yeah and it can be hard because in the human design sphere there are certain people and groups of people who are very specific about the information and how you share it and you have to be in your experiment for seven years before you can even say a word about this because you don't know what you're talking about and very rigid beliefs surrounding this information and that was that at the beginning was was very scary for me because I was like oh my god I have to make sure I word this right if it's an undefined center I have to call undefined not open you can't switch those up you'll confuse people like all these other little nuances I'm like you can't say this word without this thing and don't even talk about variables because people will lose their minds. Like it was just this whole thing of like watching what I said and how I said it. And now I'm like, you know what, who cares if I describe a center a way that someone else wouldn't, or if I attribute this gate to something that someone else is like, "Ah, I don't really see it that way. Great. Let's debate about it then, because that's how I see it. And I trust myself now and I trust my sight now. So bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel a lot better now. Just like you said, it's like, well, if it's coming from exactly like you said, if it's coming from a place where I, I'm just sharing this because I'm excited about it. And I really want this person to know it doesn't matter if I pick the wrong word or if I call a center open when it's undivine or that was a whole thing for me. Um, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. They get it. They get the gist. They get it. And most of the time, the people that we're talking to don't know as much as we do. That's what I've realized. And I gave myself a little pat on the back the other day because I realized that I'm like, you know what? You actually know a lot about this human design thing, even though you don't think you do. Most of the time, people know less than you when they come to you. So congratulations. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) You learned some stuff because I usually don't give myself credit like because there's so much to know and when you hear people like Teo talk about it or Jess and the words that they use and the way that they talk you're like you how do you sound so beautiful and like it just like especially when Teo talks it just blows my mind like how it comes across and in my mind I have to remind myself he's doing the same exact thing he's going hey I want to share this thing I'm going to share it and he shares it in his way in his ways this magical thing that comes out Yes. And people view me in a similar way. Mm-hmm. They hear what I have to say and go, wow, I really like the way she says that. I really, I've been getting that. You told me that. I've been getting that from other people because of the podcast. I really like the way you worded that. Or I like that story you told. Mm-hmm. My one channel is the storyteller channel. You too. Like, Same. yeah. So when people compliment me on my speaking skills or my storytelling skills, uh, I, it really makes me feel like, right now I'm in that, I'm in the sweet spot. Like I'm in it because I just got recognized for the, for the one channel that I, <laughs> the one, the one, and there's no way they could know that unless they know me. Um, so to tell me that, you know, you're good at telling stories. It's like, what? Like, thank you. But how do you, how do, 
it's it's because we're letting it out so obviously it's so clear to people mm -hmm. that we're good at this thing and whew, I just gave myself like a big confidence boost <laughs> love it yeah 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 I know. And that's the beautiful thing is when you start to just embody your definition and your gifts, and then it just starts flowing out of you. And then again, there's that internal recognition where you're letting that be recognized. And then the invitations come because yeah. your flavor of wisdom is what these certain people really need. That's what yes. will help them. Yeah. Like, again, we're both mental projectors with the same one channel, but we have all these differences. And mm -hmm. so there might be some way that I say something that mm -hmm. resonates in a different way. And it doesn't mean either of us are smarter or better at all. No. And it's, and we have similar avenues of how we express ourselves. You know, we both have podcasts and, but they're both so different. And it's just kind of cool and neat to see that we both respect each other and we look at each other like, oh, look at that mental projector thing she's doing. Maybe I'll try that thing. And then we like copy off each other. But it's so like in elementary school or junior high when you're best friends with somebody and you're like openly copying off each other's papers, like here, here, take, oh, here, here, take mine. Like we want you, I want you to have it. You want me to have it. Like yeah. I want, I want you to be inspired by me. I, you inspire me. I want you to be inspired by me. Like that's how it goes. And that's how I feel about it when it comes to mental projectors is there's really no competition. We just are here to share notes with each other and we get really excited about our accomplishments and what things that the other person is excited about, you know, and if it's the same exact thing, if it's human design, that's even better because then I have somebody to talk about that won't look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a really, I think it's a really good piece to to kind of feel in your own power and in your own self and really recognize other people for who they are and not be judgmental or jealous or be like, oh, I wish I had that thing. Or if I just did it like she did it then, cause I had that at the beginning. I was like, if I speak or put things out like Teo does or Jess does, or if I can get it out there just the way I would listen to them talk. I would listen to their Instagrams because I was like, how do they word this? How do they, and I would pull out pieces. You're like, oh, this is how they describe the heart center. Oh, this is how they describe gate 45. And I would try to put them in my notes. No, they don't work. They don't fit. They're not genuine. It's not me. Right. But I really wanted to sound like them because I love the way that they sound. And then I realized that, no, no, like I'm here to have an individual voice. And rather than look at them like, gosh, I wish I had what they had. Now I look at them like, thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you for showing me what you've shown me. Thank you for giving me what you've given me. Rock on, show more people, teach more people, sell more readings, do your thing, like blow your business up because I'm excited. It makes me excited for this little human design community. The more that people get out there and the more that it becomes like a, that's not a mainstream thing, but the more that people know what it is, the more excited I, I get about it because then it's, it's getting out there. And as projectors, we just want to share, like, we just yeah. want to share with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I get so excited. There's sometimes where like a kid will be having a problem in school, you know, or like they're saying one kid had to write an essay and they're like, I just don't know what to write. <laughs> I just really I had to hold myself back. Like, I just want to look up their chart and help them find their voice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I can give you 
so much to write about but yeah you yeah you we, as projectors we just have to let people do the thing and mess the things up and watch it happen and go oh okay and then eventually people will want us to guide them or want to hear from us and that's where we shine and that's what we're here for and for me it's all about quality rather than quantity when it comes to mm -hmm. mental projectors especially is we have really quality energy that's not for everyone or for everything and our invitations are going to look different i think than most other projectors invitations they just look different and feel different yeah yeah i just want to let that sink in for a second because uh, you're so right and um that's why I have a hard time like I can't write the general like mantras people put about like a mantra for generators or like April for generators especially projectors because I'm like we're all so different like and I I kind of like I still like reading them They're exactly so yeah I can't write that because oh. I'm that's part of the reason that I don't make content. One, I can never make it look aesthetically pleasing in my eyeballs. And two, anything I write just seems either overly generalized or not gen not how I actually feel or just very like stock, just like whatever. And I, I totally agree with you when it comes to those general things written about the types. I like them and I still repost them all the time, especially if one of them like hits me in a spot right now. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how I feel right now. Here you go. Um, but yeah, reading them, I'm like, it doesn't even feel like me. It feels like the projectors I see out there. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds like all of them. This sounds like them. It doesn't really sound like me. Parts of it do, little pieces I can pull out, but not not this whole thing or, or not right now, maybe, maybe later. <laughs> 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 maybe when the transits are somewhere else right? which reminds me we didn't even get to talk about this so I think we'll just have to have a whole other episode where we just know that yeah, I would love that that would be awesome <laughs> because I totally I, um I'm so grateful to you for this time I just looked at the clock I'm like well we should probably give ourselves some time to clear this interview <laughs> we had some great chats and just so much depth on the mental projectorness so I'm really grateful to you and all the stories that you shared here today thank you Thank you. Thank you for giving me a place to speak. I don't often, I mean, I have my own podcast, but I, on that, I really love to hear other people talk and I don't even care what I have to say most of the time. I didn't realize I had so much to say until you had me on. I didn't realize I was going to be such a chatterbox, but thank you for holding the space for me and for recognizing me and for connecting with me the way that you did. It, it's really special and um, I appreciate you and you have a standing invitation to come on my podcast, whatever, whenever we'll have you on again for sure. We'll plan it, but whenever you want, you know, thank you. Thank you. You're just, you're making me cry now. Ah, so like, sorry. I'll hide my face. Look, you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And before we go, like tell people what services you have, where can they find you? All of that. I'm a human design reader. I read charts. That's all I do. Don't ask me for anything else. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> don't ask me to teach you. No, I use my intuitive energy and my mental projector energy to read and to guide people in their human design charts, especially new. I really love people who are newer to the system um, because I feel like the way I explain it is very accessible for people who are new. I have a website, JanelleTurner.net. That's where all my offerings are. I'm on Instagram, Janelle Turner HD. 
um, follow me for other people's great Instagram content, because that's what <laughs> I normally share, but also personal stuff about myself and my experiment. And DM me, contact me. Like, I love to talk to people. So no question is too small or too silly. And no comment is will be ignored unless it's mean. So <laughs> if you're nice to me, come talk to me and find me. Um, thank you again. This has been so fun. And I'm so happy to be on your podcast. Thank you so much. Okay. And um, we'll just, we'll leave a little cliffhanger there about next time we'll nerd out about transits and figure that out. It'll be fun. It'll be awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome.